When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to the phone lines now and check in with Keith Smith from Spot Track. Keith, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, I want to start with the Cleveland Cavaliers, Keith. They were 8-1 and one to start the season. Since then, they have lost five in a row. Is, is it time to push the panic button on Cleveland, or is it still too early in the season? Yeah, it's still too early, but I think this is a case of water finding its level. They they got out to that great start, but they, they weren't going to be that team all, all year. They, they, they've definitely got some holes in their rotation that they've got to shore up, and whether that's with development or they make additions down the line. But they're going to settle into being a good team, which is probably a top six team in the East versus being a top two or three team in the end. What do you think about – I saw that you went on uh... – Rip City Radio this morning and talking about my Blazers. What do you think about them and whether they're going to find their level or whether what they're doing is sustainable? And and kind of just your thoughts on what you are seeing from them because last three years, Keith, defensively they've been abysmal and right now they're sixth in defensive rating because of really Jeremy Grant. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, I think, two, two things. They got better defensive players uh, on the court now. Uh, you know, I think that has helped, helped a lot by Jeremy Grant, but I think they're playing some other guys. Drew Eubanks is a really solid defender when he's in there up front. And then I think this is a year into what Chauncey Billups wants them to be doing. And they've been relatively healthy-ish, uh, I think has also helped them. So I think I think there's some sustainability. They'll drop off some. I, I don't think they're going to you know be the top team in the Western Conference when all is said done but I think again this is a team that'll push I had them in the playing tournament they might be able to get themselves out of it because a couple teams in the west that I thought might be ahead of them right now they look like they kind of can't get out of their own way so you know Portland just needs to keep doing what they're doing and they're going to put together a nice year up there. Keith three games in the NBA slate tonight Brooklyn at Portland San Antonio at Sacramento and the Pistons at the Clippers did you have any plays in any of these games tonight? I didn't know, no, but I it, it it's you know I for me if I if I can't stay up until the end of the game for sure on the East Coast uh, I'm gonna stay away from it. And there's all three games tonight are our West Coast Coast nights. It's West Coast Appreciation Night in the NBA. Yes, it is. Yeah, they want to get away from the NFL as much as they can. <laughs> uh, I'm curious about your thoughts on Indiana because this is a team that everyone says wants to have the you know top five draft pick. And yet they're above 500. Miles Turner has been awesome. He's on an expiring. To you, what are the odds that Miles Turner, he's been in trade talks for forever, ends up actually staying in Indiana for the duration of this year, even longer? The idea seems insane, and yet he is still there. 
Yeah, I, I actually just wrote about him for Spot Track yesterday um, because he's a candidate for the very rare renegotiation in Extend, which is where you can actually up his salary this year uh, because the Pacers have cap space and because he's on a, the right kind of contract. So I think you know, whenever a guy has been in trade talks for like four or five years, like Turner has been, but then he doesn't get traded. I tend to think there's something to that. Either he doesn't want to be or the team doesn't really want to move him. And I think he may stick right there. I would not be surprised if the Pacers, you know, after the trade deadline is done and they see what moves are out there for them, maybe using that almost $30 million in cap space that they have, if they say, all right, you know what, let's give some of it as, to Miles Turner as a bonus now and we'll tack two, three, four years on in the new contract. That still keeps him a tradable asset just in case. But I don't think he's going to go anywhere necessarily. Interesting stuff. Keith, I look at the Southeast Division, and Atlanta is favored to win the division. They're 9-6 and six right now. Miami currently at 7-8, and eight, two games back, are plus 125. Then you have the Wizards at plus 1,100, and the Hornets at 40-1, to one, and Orlando at 250-1. to one. It's pretty much going to be a two-horse race between Atlanta and Miami. As of now, who do you like to uh, win this division, and would you place a, a wager on the Heat at plus 125? Yeah, it's not bad odds on the Heat, I guess, but I I like Atlanta to win that division. I think um, they've got the better team. Miami is they're older. Um, you're already putting a lot of miles on some of their guys early in the season. That's very worrisome to me for what they may look like when we get into February, March, and April. What's that going to look like? They don't have a ton of depth on that team. They have major holes up front. They, they, they don't have anybody um, at the power forward spot. Their big man rotation has been a little bit messy. So unless there's a trade coming, which is not an easy thing to do for them because they're kind of out of tradable assets, I, I think they're going to be one of those teams that might be down in the playing range. And I think the Hawks will ultimately win the division almost by default because it's not going to be any of the other three teams. They're, they're just not good enough. Keith, can you talk a, a little bit about the job that Joe Missoula has done this year? Because Woj says that he's coached his way into a long-term deal. I think a lot of people think this is a team that already went to the finals, so how hard could it be? But the institutional chaos that was going on when he took over was immense. Yeah, that's it. It's that part there at the end that you said is this could have gone completely sideways on the Celtics and you know, really been terrible because the players, I uh, openly said, they had no idea any of this was coming. They basically found out uh, right before the rest of us did that that all this was going down. And that's, you know, that's tough, especially you know, right on the eve of the season starting up that you're going to be in that spot. And I think, you know, Joe Missoula, yes, he's kept some of Ime Udoka's stuff in there. But offensively, he's created more of a five-out system than even Udoka ran. Uh, that's opened up driving lanes for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think he's really empowered the players. And what he's also done is he's kind of said, hey, these are my rotation guys. I know who my eight, nine guys are. But the rest of you guys, guys, you're 10, 11, 12, 13, you better be ready because – we know we've got a couple injury-prone guys. When we come to you, you got to be ready to go. And that's what we've seen here over the last couple weeks with, like, Peyton Pritchard and uh, Sam Hauser and Luke Cornett. Those guys have been able to step in and really do some stuff. And they're, they're playing really good basketball. And they're, they're going to get Malcolm Brogdon back, looks like, tomorrow. Marcus Smart, probably only a couple. 
couple more games away, and then eventually Robert Williams is going to return. That's when I think you'll see the defense take off as well. In your travels of covering the league, I've heard some things just kind of whispers about that Malcolm Brogdon, you talk about, you know, just guys that are injury prone. Something that I heard, you know, whispers about is that when Malcolm Brogdon gets injured, it doesn't really matter how injured he is. He will miss miss time because he's that careful about his body. Is that something that's like pretty normal across the league? Is it is there a wide disparity? Have you heard this? Just kind of curious about that in general and how how GMs think about players. Yeah, I, I have heard that um, as it pertains to Malcolm Brogdon. I think there's a reason why the Celtics got him for as low a price as they did, which I, I think, you know, when you just look at the player and the talent, it was like, wow, the Celtics really stole him. But when then you look at it, it's like, yeah, this is a guy who plays, you know, 40, 50 games in some years. And that, that can be tough to work around. And I think for Boston, the idea was, we have Derek White, we have Marcus Smart, we have Peyton Pritchard, and if he needs a week off to recover from what seems like maybe a minor injury, we go. And that's becoming more prevalent around the league with players. I think players are looking at this and saying, hey, I don't want to have a eight-good-year career. I'd like to have a 10-12-good-year career. And the way they're doing that is by not playing through injuries and the like. So I think that's what we're starting to see a little bit here is some of these guys are, are taking a little bit more time to make sure, hey, I'm not going to come back at 90 95%. I'm going to be 100% before I retake the floor. Keith, I, I want to look at some of these games tomorrow because we have a great slate of games tomorrow, and the game that immediately jumps out at me is Boston at New Orleans. The Celtics are favored by two and a half in that game. They've obviously won eight games in a row. New Orleans is starting to pick it up a little bit as well. It should be a really entertaining game. You think Boston wins tomorrow night and makes it nine in a row, or do you think the Pelicans beat them? I'm very curious to see if Zion Williamson returns. I know he was questionable last I saw for that game. If he returns, I'm always wary with a team on the road on the big win streak. Uh, win streaks in the NBA of a five games or more tend to end in a blow loss because it's kind of the wheels come off and then they kind of raise the surrender flag and say, all right, hey, we just won a whole bunch in a row. So we'll see if they can extend it to nine. If Zion doesn't play, I feel really good about Boston's chances because I don't know that New Orleans will be able to keep pace with them scoring-wise, but if Zion plays, it's going to be close. I, I think the Pelicans might might be the ones that bring the streak to an end. Keith, uh, you talk about guys playing through injury and not having injury-prone uh, guys on a team. What is happening with Kawhi? Because he was supposed to be ready to go a lot earlier, and with all the hoopla in L.A. and Brooklyn and Boston, Kawhi and his status is completely flown under the radar. Yeah, absolutely. I think the challenge with Kawhi Leonard is when the Spurs traded him after he missed all of those games with them, they traded him to the Raptors, and the Raptors really kind of said, hey, we're going to put you on a full-on maintenance plan, make sure we have. What came out at that time was he wasn't dealing with a quad injury. It was a quad condition. And they said openly, this is going to last for the rest of his career. Um, and I think what we're really looking at now is you're seeing the kind of totality of that plus the torn ACL adding up to being a guy who, when he feels something, it's he's not going to get he's not going to push to get back out there till he feels like he's ready. And I think for the Clippers, they're still kind of playing 
hey, we have bigger goals. It doesn't really matter winning games in November for us. We want to be winning games in May and June. And I think they're content to kind of make sure let's get him back. My worry is, is he going to come back for a week and then need to miss another month? Because if that happens, now all of a sudden that changes the whole upside on the Clippers. And for what it's worth, I thought they were going to be in the NBA Finals this year. Yes. Wow. Keith, what Western Conference team has been more disappointing to you, Minnesota or, or those Clippers you were alluding to? Minnesota, I think. I, I, I kind of, with the Clippers, I thought they might get off to a little bit of a slow start just because I did. I, I obviously didn't think it'd be quite to the extent of time Kawhi's missed, but I thought he might miss some time. Paul George, John Wall coming back after a year away. I, I thought they might just take a little bit of time to get going, but Minnesota just looks, I mean, they look like a mess uh, a lot of the time. They, now, I know they won the other night, so maybe they're starting to figure some stuff out, but you know, when you, you're five, six games into the season and guys are already talking about how these lineups don't work and this spacing is a mess. That's a problem. You, you, that's normally kind of reserved for you know, 30, 40 games into the season kind of conversation. So I'm a little bit worried about well, what they are. And i, and I got to start to wonder, if it all falls apart there, did Danny Age, like he did with the Celtics when they made the trade with the Nets, did he outsource his tank job to another team and lets them do it and he builds his own roster the way he wants to yeah. in Utah? Yeah. <laughs> That's a fascinating point. That Keith. is Keith. Chestnut checkers with when it comes to <laughs> Danny Ainge. Yeah, he, he really can be, you know, in that in that position. And, and I think too, what I learned covering him for years with the Celtics is Danny Ainge is not the kind of guy he might bottom it out for a year. But he is not going to do a multi-year, you know, tear down and take. He's far too competitive for that. It sounds good, I think, to him to, hey, let's have a million draft picks. But I think he loves the idea of, hey, if I don't have to do my own tanking, let these other teams be bad for me, and I can build a pretty good roster like he did, you know, with Boston when he rebuilt that team kind of on the fly with Brad Stevens into what became a playoff team and then into eventually a pretty good team as they added a few more talented players. Great point. That's a great point. And great stuff. Great insight, Keith. We appreciate the time. Be well. We'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Keith. Keith Smith from Spot Track. Awesome stuff. Great stuff. And we threw a lot at him. I mean, we each asked him like probably five or six different questions. Validated about Malcolm Brogdon, too.